I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would use the word perfectionist, but you basically are. And you try to mold people and you want to force them into being what you were. Do it this way. This is how you do it. This is the perfect way to do it. And what happened to me, and I think it's what happens to a lot of people, is you become a horrible boss and a horrible person <laughs> to work, with, work for, you know? Street Smart Podcast. Here we are on uh, the road this time. Came all the way to Midland just to uh, sit down with my cousin, Jeff Lott. So it, it took uh, a little bit of convincing. I had to call in some favors uh, to my, my cousin, Carrie. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so here's Jeff. And Jeff's got a, a great story, and I've obviously known Jeff for a long time. Um, when did you and Carrie get together? Well, uh, and she's in the room, so you better get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I moved uh, from Oklahoma to uh, my cousins lived in Greenwood outside of Midland. Right. So we, we moved there, lived with them for a couple of weeks before mom and dad found the house. And that was in the uh, summer of 89. And uh, started school that fall of 89. You'd have been uh, freshman? I was senior in high school. Oh, so yeah. I'll try to give you a little bit of credit. And uh, Carrie was in my first period class, but I didn't know her, you know. And then... Uh, mutual friends set us up do a double date and i was like oh okay yeah sure and the mutual friends backed out so carrie and i on november 10th 1989 right uh we got in my 72 chevrolet pickup with no air conditioning which is still hot in november and it, down out here you know yeah, it's, so, it's not it's not cool for sure went to pizza hut yeah oh which which pizza the one on wadley with yep. the sit down yep. games yeah awesome so and so then I met you then basically the right after you'd moved here I didn't realize that you had moved here from yep. Oklahoma that same time I thought you'd yep. lived here for quite a while uh, but you I mean obviously you've been a part of, of my life for a long time and and you know carry forever and uh, we won't get into some of those stories uh, for sure because they're painful in uh, for both <laughs> of us uh, but but uh, you know I find it I found it really interesting and and it's a real testament to you and to, to Carrie that, you know, you guys from that early on have still been just a, a model couple, at least from the outside looking in. And you got two great daughters and, you know, now grandchildren and, and those types of things. It's just been uh, amazing. And then your, your story, too, is, is, is amazing uh, as well. And, and I just want to, to kind of I know personally I've never sat down and had the conversation with you about, you know, you're founding your business and then selling it and now doing the hay out on land we used to go shoot rabbits on all yeah. the time and yeah. and all of that and i just for me personally i'd love to hear the story and i know that others will will get a lot out of it so what did you want to be when you were growing up well i you know i think when i was in about the third or fourth grade you know i had a bunch of star wars uh the x-wing fighter and i had the tie fighter yeah. and i took them apart one day and uh I couldn't get them back together, really. So I put them in a duffel bag and hid them in my closet. Right. I'm in third grade, you know, so yeah, yeah, I get home. In trouble. Yeah, I got home one day and my mother had found them and she had put them back together. So I was, I was, a, I was afraid I was going to get in trouble, and b, I was irritated that she figured out how to put them back together and I couldn't. <laughs> did so, she have? Did she have extra parts when she finished? <laughs> no, she got it to work. Yeah. I don't think it was that hard to get them back together. It just my third grade brain couldn't. Yeah, yeah. But I knew, I knew early on that I. I wanted to be a mechanic. I wanted to work on stuff, you know, yeah. seeing how things were 
tear something apart, see how it worked. That was very interesting. I used to get old radios and stuff, and I never was into electronics, but I'd get old radios and take them apart, take the speakers out, hook them all together, and this, right. you know, stuff right. like that. And right. so I knew no wanted to be that. Uh, my dreams were to join the Air Force, become an aircraft mechanic, work on jet engines, and that's kind of what I wanted to. And uh, I got married instead. But right. I did find out that really? I didn't have quite the probably the math skills or or the desire for the the book work to be an aircraft mechanic. Well, I, I mean, it's disappointing that Carrie ruined your dreams uh, <laughs> yeah. about that, but it seems to have worked out just fine uh, because it, it is ultimately you know what led you to to start the pump company and, and all of that. I'm sure, um, but you didn't always have that. What what did you do? What was your first job? My very first job. Where I got a real paycheck, I was probably I was mechanicing. Uh, my father worked for a guy up in Oklahoma. Uh, what part would, of Oklahoma? Uh, up there, he was in Skytook. So I drove uh, from uh, Cushing. We lived in Cushing. I drove from Cushing to over to Skytook every day and worked over there. I had an old Buick Skylark, '76 Buick <laughs> Skylark. It ran like a bite out of hell, you know. It ran good, right, but, right. Uh, but. Uh, I went to work for this guy just mainly as I do anything, you know, mm-hmm. roused about. He didn't have, he was a small oil field guy and uh, just worked on everything that he had. Right. And most of it I didn't know. Yeah. You know, a lot hasn't changed. You right, know, right. You, every every small uh, company has that guy. That, yeah, yeah. That can fix whatever's and broken. then I was 17 years old, sure. you know, but uh, he'd give me something and tell me to change that part and right or wrong i got it in there but it might yeah. not work but i got it in yeah, there every once in a while your mom had to come do it and, yeah yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> hey mom yeah I, you remember that x-wing this is similar yeah but different yeah uh so that's awesome and so you did that for a while and then when you came here um i, I assume your dad was doing the same type of work yeah dad was working in oil field uh i was uh uh i went to work at the ymca I met some really interesting people at Central YMCA in, in downtown Midland. Some, you know, some some people that at the time I didn't know how important they were, sure, or how neat they were, you know. But met lots of people that then later on you find out, oh golly, he used to be a senator, or yeah, or he used right. to play football right. for, you right. know, right. met Wally Klein, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, yeah. and, and Wally's dad, you know. So worked at the, so I would get up at. Uh, four in the morning and uh you had to have the hot tub hot and the sauna hot and everything by about six i believe it was so i get up at four get up there and get everything hot for the and if you didn't there were some mad old men in midland if you didn't yeah. have hot, and then i'd go to school yeah 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 that's right that you they don't mess around they have no, their schedule no when you got a 17 yeah. year old kid sitting there and he's supposed to have the, everything go and the lights on they're gonna he, let you know if it's wrong yeah yeah, yeah they yeah, didn't put sure. up with it yeah, well, I doubt, you know, knowing you, I doubt that you uh, you never missed on that, I bet. No, I, I, work, I worked really hard, I, I, and I enjoyed working at the Y. Uh, but I did that, and uh, I would go to school, and then I got out of school early. And when I got out of school, I'd go back to the Y and work to about 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I knew I wasn't going to be in the fitness industry, but I, I did work there. And uh, then uh, Carrie and I, we graduated. I was working at Avis Lube changing oil, changing oil in cars, and uh, that's it, almost a mechanic. Almost, yeah. You're touching of, cars, you're touching it, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then we got married in December of 1990, and uh, f- late 
January, early February of 91, I went to work in the oil field mm. for uh, uh, a family in Stanton, Texas, the Swenson's. Uh, what was the name of the company? Swenson's Contractors. Homer was, and his wife owned it. And Homer, I wonder how they came up with the name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <no>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they started it in 79, and there probably wasn't, you know, nowadays when people start oil field companies out here, it's called something. It's something fancy. It's You're going to hire somebody right, that's right. going to set your whole brand yeah, up. Not yeah, and back then it, it just wasn't much fancy, but they really good folks, really mm-hmm. small, tiny, tiny company. Really what they treated. do in the oil field? We worked on mainly gas engines. Okay, so uh, mechanic. Yeah, we were doing mechanic work. Yeah, gas engines that ran pumping units. They were okay. they were pretty old antiques back then. You know, right. And, right. Uh, Promise, there's still some out there. There doing are still it. a few out there. Yeah. 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 And probably in 2009, we 2010, we were still rebuilding some and putting them on brand new wells. You wow. Know? But uh, did that for nine years. Uh, did a lot of hard work. Went did a lot of extra, extra work. You know, mm-hmm. to and, and was it extra work or was it like I want to learn this? So you took on additional responsibilities, or was it there's no one else here to do that? And I see that that needs to be done. Well, it, my problem that I've always had that's gotten me in a lot of trouble over the years is I never said no. I won't say no. So we kind of graduated into some pumps, doing working on pumps in the oil field. And the pumps are more important. The, the engines, if it went down, well, we can work on that next week. No big deal. Yeah. But pumps, they had to be fixed right then. So I got to know a lot of the customers that we worked for, uh, uh, relationships, had good relationships, and they knew I wouldn't say no. And finally they got to calling me on weekends and mm-hmm. late at night, and uh, it just got to where we, I was doing a lot of and, – and built a reputation – with those people sure you know that they they could trust me they, they could count on you they, they call count. you whenever and you finally make it right one phone call and they didn't have to make any more phone calls and that's sure. it you know they went at, back to bed <laughs> at, what, at what point did you decide like man i might i might want to start my own thing well i think it was you know i worked for homer for almost 10 years uh and uh learned everything in the world i mean learned as far as as far as how to work mm-hmm. you know not so much as far as maybe business wise but i knew early on that I like i can do this this ain't i mean i'm not going to build a major corporation sure but, but i can do this i, I just, can build a company I, that's going to be a viable i one. can do it by myself i can put you know right. do it my own. just need some money get started you know yeah. uh, <laughs> isn't that the way it is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah has yeah. anybody got any money i can do this exactly if you give me some. exactly and and uh I'd been there for a long time and it kind of run its course and I knew that it wasn't going to change there. You know, it wasn't going to. Sure. It, you know, it, it's just going to be steady the way it was. Right. Right. So I knew. And I he's to, probably fine with that. Yeah. He yeah. built a great business and he's right. doing great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I knew, uh, knew I wanted a little bit more. I knew it could do more. I knew it could make more. Uh, and, uh, I tried to, uh, go in with this one guy and, you know, you know, your best lessons are always your hardest ones. Oh, they're the worst, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I tend to uh, – it seems like I tend to only learn through, like, well, shouldn't have done that. I figured yeah. this out now. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, it, those are those are rough lessons to learn, but they're valuable. Well, I, I've told Carrie, you know, she talked about a, a period that we worked with this other guy. Uh, it was almost five years and it, probably the worst period in, a, in our marriage, worst period in our lives. But we wouldn't have had 
the rest of it if we hadn't did those right you know, the, and, and so when you're doing that and that's you'd kind of gone out on your own with this guy so you're partners right. yeah uh and, and did you have equal stakes uh in the company no or? no uh we had some promises and stuff like that you know and yeah. of course i was 28 years old sure you know and uh, and he had a guy he knew could do the work yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 no that happens and but uh, he you know he eventually uh uh made some wrong moves that uh hurt his company hurt mm-hmm. that company and that's what jeff had to have a job tomorrow so right then i called a friend of mine that had uh offered to help me previously okay get started how far previously just five years or so uh, you say it was like a yeah five, year five or six years yeah. before you know i was still working for homer and uh, uh my friend uh he was doing some contract pumping service mm-hmm and he had some engines that he worked on. I went and worked on them engines and met him, and, and that's how that's how I met him. And, and I actually wound up doing some contract pumping work on the side for him. And uh, Like working as a pumper? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it was only three or four wells. But you're just driving a route, taking... It was close to my house, a long way from his, so... I worked out. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and it was just a little bit of extra income. But uh, uh, he had offered to help me get started, help, you know... And he had some money. And so I called him five years later and said, you still want to do something? And he's like, yeah. Great. So, and that's pretty much how it started. It was. Uh, so, so it started, and it's interesting, when I, I've had a lot of these conversations, and there's uh, there's a handful of ways people are starting businesses. Either they've, they're just geared that way. They're just serial entrepreneurs, and, and they seemingly have some uh, sickness for it, and they just never stop. It, this fails and they don't even think about it. It's like, ah, well, whatever, yep. something else. I, they, they never, they have mm-hmm. zero reservation about it. Then you have people that kind of reluctantly do it or just kind of find their way into it. And then you have people like yourself, you're like, oh shit, I need a, I need a job. Yeah. And so, and what, what year was this about? This was uh, 2004. Okay, so 2004, oil was okay. Oil was good. Oil was, you know, it was on a steady uptick mm-hmm. from 2000, 2001. Not for everybody, but the the main customer that we had, they were they were drilling. They were actively getting after it, you know. So there was there was lots of work going on. But my point is, there was there were probably jobs in the market. Did you not ever consider like, hey, I just find another job? I should have, but I didn't. You know, <laughs> it would it would have been a little easier. You and say I'd that now less. after you have this huge successful business and all this, and you you say it, man, I should have just I should just gone to work. Well, I'll tell you, I tell you, uh, working for a big company and uh, getting a, a, a good paycheck and, and uh, everything is a pretty good deal. And hey, I tell look, not I everybody tell, not everybody's Uncle Robert. First of all, yeah, that worked out for him. Yeah, really and I, good. And I tell a lot of my friends, I say, you don't have it that bad. Keep no, after it. Do no, it good. You know, yeah. I can say for the first time in in my life over the last probably five years or so, I've been able to really look at it that way. Like, man, I've got a great life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's it could be way it could be way worse. Yes, uh, for sure. And but I do find it interesting that in retrospect, uh, given everything that you've accomplished with that. You said, I should (laughs) have. Well, you know, we're all problem solvers. Oh, yeah. So the biggest problem that most of us have that if we work for a big company is we see them doing something wrong. Or we think it's wrong. We think it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. When if you own that company, it's not wrong. It's my way, you know. Right, right. You know, and and it's it's maybe a negative thing, but it's my way or the highway type deal, you know. And Well, I mean, at the end of the day, 
it, it you know that saying is kind of a, a crude representation of the fact that it almost has to be your yes. way because it you're 100 percent accountable to yes. everyone that works there everyone that depends on that their families your family uh your customers all of that mm-hmm. that ultimately runs all the way up to you oh it does and you know if you're uh, employed by a company you know when you go home at five o'clock you're done I don't, I don't come friday when you get your paycheck you're so, even you yeah, know but so, somebody didn't tell the companies i work for <laughs> it's over at five but maybe that's a maybe that's a handicap i have but but you know you're you're right with the lab you know the liability it's all on you and i'll tell you anybody that's starting their own business uh that you're going to make it or break it on yourself it's never going to be anybody else's fault if you don't make it it's all going to be on you if you do make it you know because there ain't nobody going to do it like you're going to do it and so how do you overcome that because obviously at some point you can no longer be you know and i'm sure you still hardest thing i ever did was learn to let go a little bit right and that was going to be my question i mean you grew up from the third grade wanting to be a mechanic and then you build a company doing just that uh, and now you've got to trust these other people to, right. to do the part that you love doing so that you can focus on running a business, man. How, how, you know, how was that? You, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would use the word perfectionist, but you basically are. And you try to mold people and you want to force them into being what you were. Do it this way. This is how you do it. This is the perfect way to do it. And what happened to me and I think it's what happens to a lot of people is you become a horrible boss and a horrible person to work with, work for, you know. And once you learn, because you've just got your thumb on everything and everything's got to be perfect, and your hands are on, they're on pins and needles, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you and, lo- and so the, and in this context, perfect means the way in my mind it should work. It yep. doesn't necessarily mean it's perfect. Exactly, right? exactly. And, and and when you learn. And it was the hardest thing I ever did, and I became a lot better person to work for. And I, I was a horrible person to work for for several years, uh, but I came a lot better, became a lot better boss, a lot better employer. When when I let people go, let them take care of it, I, I let some of the responsibility go go. And then, then when things didn't happen, didn't work good, then that was another learning experience of how mm-hmm. to. How to navigate that. How to navigate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. When things didn't work out right, you just got to so let's go back and say, let's go. Hey, man, and sometimes, um, sometimes it's not going to work out. Right. You, and you've got to learn how to pivot from that. But let's go back to when you were a terrible boss, because that's going to be fun for me to listen to. <laughs> uh, what were the things that you were doing that now when you look back on it were like, oh, man, I should, have, I should have known not to do it that way, but for whatever reason, you just couldn't get out of your own way there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a compulsiveness that's in you and I have it I still have it I just have it in different in different forms but uh, th- what drove me was I could not fail we weren't going to fail I wasn't going to uh, go to work at you know Home Depot sweeping floors we're right. not going to fail I've got to make this work and the only way I can do that is I can force Justin to do it this way yeah. Justin and, 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 and you know be, me better than that. For right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and of course, you know, we've got uh, employees that were younger than me mm-hmm. and I wasn't very old, but they're younger than me. And, and uh, you learn, it took me a while to learn people are motivated different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, I was motivated by a, a good butt chewing or, or, you know, when you messed up, that motivated me. 
uh, some people, a lot of people aren't motivated that way. Yeah, it can shut them down. Yeah, you motivate a lot of people just by patting them on the back and saying, hey, I know you can do better. Mm-hmm. You're going to do better. I know you can. It's going to be all right. right. You're not fired. You messed up. And, and uh, I assume that was not day one, Jeff. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, boy, I tell you what, life got easier when it was. When it, when it oh, got sure. that way, life sure. got a lot easier. But it was just, I think it was the, the, the determination not to fail. It's, it really made me pretty hard to work for. Right. And yeah. I think it does a lot of people. A lot of people that was in those, those positions. And, and did it make you hard to work for because you saw any deviation from the way you thought it was supposed to be done as uh, an attack? As maybe we were lazy or maybe you yeah. know, we, wanted to, yeah. we didn't go the extra mile to make sure it was right. We, got, we wanted to get home early. So I, I, and I wouldn't do that. Yeah, uh, I don't care how late it's going to be. I'm going to stay out there and make sure it's done right. So, and it not only uh, affected my employees, as it infected our marriage. You know, me and Carrie, I wasn't pleasant to live with because I never turned it off. I come home, I was still working. You know. Yeah, still. I mean, there's a, you know, Dana White had a, a thing I saw on on Instagram. By the way, Instagram Reels, uh, Instagram Reels, you've stolen so many hours of my life uh, over the last year yeah. or so. <laughs> But some of it comes out pretty good. And Dana White had a thing where he's like, you know, these people that say, man, if you go to work for yourself, you get to set your own hours. He goes, no, you don't. Mm-mm. He goes, there's no hours. Mm-hmm. You have no vacations, no holidays. Yep. He says, especially early on, you're always working. And and so I'd, I'd, I'd offered Carrie to be on with us because I thought it would have been interesting. She's sitting over there just smiling. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to hear her version of events when this was going on. Um, but... Well, there's so much you miss. I missed out on so much with the girls. Sure. And well, and the point I was going to make, I've seen so many of my friends start businesses, and one of the things that's always kind of sort of handcuffed uh, handcuffed me from wanting to do it is I've seen people burn relationships down. Oh yeah. And and I'm just like, oh man, I just don't want to do that. You know, I I want to guard against that. Yeah. And and so it, but yeah, to your point, you know, like you said, you missed out a lot with the girls and stuff, and. Your relationship, obviously, it suffered some, but not much. I mean, you, you guys well, fixed it, yeah. Yeah, I was old school. You don't, you don't throw in the towel, you know, ever. Yeah. So, no. So no, you don't quit. Even when there was times when we, you know, most people would have, we just wasn't going to do that, you know. Uh, right. But, uh, that conversation is never on the table. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and so when you look back on it, if you had to say – the one thing that you would have that you should have identified but didn't back when you were like just not getting it right what would it be it would be motivating people how i motivated people that was my biggest my probably my biggest negative was it that you thought motivation was a one size fits all type of thing yes like, okay yeah that and motivation was you know uh derogatory you know you know, I beat you up. I beat. I'm beating you up with words, and 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 you're going to be scared to do it wrong next time. If I'm rough on you or tough on you this time, you're going to be. It was the football coach mentality. Sure. You know, well, it was also the way it, we were raised. Paul so. Bear Bryant. You know that, and and you know, if you you look at some of Bear Bryant's documentaries, man, he felt really bad about the way he treated some of those boys at A&M. You know, well, later, later, <laughs> later, because he saw it. You right, know, right. He learned. He evolved too. Sure. You know. I'm going to interview my dad at some point in this, and I'm going to bring up the fact that his one of his favorite things he used to say to me when we were working together on something, and I don't remember him saying it to my brother, so maybe he likes him more. <laughs> but uh, 
he used to say, you, you just hold the dumb end, let me hold the smart end. <laughs> and I remember when he said that the first time thinking, oh, really? Like, that's ridiculous. But, but no, I get it. And so what was it that made you then figure out this is not working? I need to make a change. You know, I had a friend, uh, a guy, well, he's a friend today, but I had a, we, had, we hired a, call it a business coach. Uh, I would not have anticipated that yeah. out of my cousin Jeff Lott. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, my partner, you know, I was 50, my, me and my partner were 50-50 partners in this, in this, and my partner was very, very good at looking outside the box. Mm. And he knew, he knew my capabilities and knew what I did and knew where I was good, and he knew where we needed help. And uh, he had a friend that had hired this guy that he worked for him. So, you know, shoot, yeah, we'll give him a chance. He'd come yeah. in and talk to us. And, and it not only did he help us with financial decisions, uh, not really decisions, but financial strategies, mm-hmm. uh, he helped me personally. And he's a, he's a, I guess you'd call it a self-help type <laughs> guy. He does classes and stuff. And a little guy named Tony Robbins. Kind of like that, <laughs> yeah. A lot like that. Uh, uh his dad did the same thing, so it's kind of some lineage there. Sure. He li- he lives in Louisville. Okay, uh, but he talked to me a lot, and and uh, it didn't sink in right away. But he talked to me a lot, gave me some examples, and then I saw those examples, you know, come out and work, and and then what I found the greatest thing, Justin, is what I found is when I implemented to be better to my people it was it made life a lot easier yeah. they actually did uh our employees did better work because mm-hmm. they were so much like me because they didn't want to let they didn't want to fail and they didn't want to let let their boss down that was my one of my biggest drivers i didn't want to let the guy down i was working for i'm gonna work hard sure so getting those examples and uh, seeing it work it started changing everything it made my life easier I got along with my employees. You know, you could motivate people easier. We had we had employees with with good long term tenures. You know, uh, how how long into the company was it before you started making these changes? How many years? Oh, I'm gonna say it was probably around 2012, 2013, 14. You founded like. the company when? In 04. Okay, so it, yeah, it took a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the last, we sold it in 17, so I think probably the last three years were, were a lot better than the first three years. Uh, uh, now, there's, I've probably got some employees that wouldn't say that, but I've got, some, you know, I had some guys that worked for me, some really good guys, you know, and they saw the dark side of me at times. And uh, later on, after we're gone, after we sold, and and but and had a couple of them come up, and man, they're just it's just like old friends, you know. So they understood a lot of it, and they knew they knew what drove me, mm-hmm. and, and why 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 I was the way. I, it didn't make it right, but they understood it. You no, know? I, you know what? Even if it's not right, I think if people know the the heart behind what's yeah. happening, and they're like, man, this guy, yeah, he's kind of an animal to work for sometimes, but it comes from a place of excellence he wants excellence and and I, I think people can get around kind of the way it makes them feel for a, for a while here's what i'll tell you is is i could have my butt chewed a lot like 
a hundred times. If there's one, you did good, Jeff. That, yep. You did a good job. If there's one of those, you know, every hundred butt chewing. It sort of resets it, right? Man, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. that I'm good. That, that yeah long and that's one thing is you and i felt like i always did that even though even when i was hard to work for i always did come around and tell them man i appreciate you and uh that means that meant more to me when i was out there working uh and i know it did a lot of them too you know so you found the company in 2004 how long after you get started do you start bringing on employees well uh when we started it there was me and my father and one other employee and besides my partner and his wife and uh we worked uh got going we had to get some msas in place that were time consuming sure it seemed like forever but it was only about four or five months but uh, that's a long time man when you're trying to get running right yeah and uh got those going it wasn't very long maybe six months carrie came in she was working uh, for a dental oral surgeon at the time. Carrie came in and started doing office work, and uh, we so we started with probably five employees, including including ourselves. And uh, I don't know the exact number, but we got up close to 50 employees somewhere, probably around 2015 in that area. Uh, uh, but no, it grew every year, and that's what that's what was hard about about that is. You know, anybody that's built a business is you will, you'll think, well, I want to get to here. This is where I want to get to. And you never get there. Because mm-hmm. when you get to here, now I'm getting to here. And, and it always stayed like that. You think, well, when I get to this spot, now we're, we're going to quit spending money by, <laughs> in, in growth. Right. And we're going to sit back and collect money. You just never get to there. You just kept growing and growing and growing. So we rented a small building, got started. Uh, and then we found some acreage out in Greenwood that had a had a small building on it that we could use for an office. Paid fifty thousand dollars for six acres and a thirty by forty building on it. We built a, a fifty by. You're not, not going to do that today. No, no. <laughs> we built a fifty by hundred building and put on there, and we thought, man, we got this is big. Yeah. We'll never outgrow oh, this. This is awesome. And a couple of years later, we built another fifty by right. hundred with a, a office, and then a couple of years later, we built a hundred by hundred with a. A, a main office and then uh, a few years later we built another hundred by hundred so it, it grew it just grew every few years it growing and growing and growing how did you determine that okay we we have to we have to put out the capital to do this i mean that that's something that has always interested me you know watching my dad own businesses my whole life like there there's got to be a breakover point where you're like because you're never ready to spend the capital yeah but, but you know you have to yeah uh, what were those markers for you when you when you identified them that man this time to build another shop? Well, it was two different things. Two, two looked at it two different ways, and and I wasn't hugely into our uh, finance part, but me and my, my my partner took care of most of that. But we would look at it to where most of the time, the majority of the time, Justin, if we had to close the doors tomorrow, and we sold everything, we'd come out even even and when we as long as we were like that it didn't scare us to borrow money if we borrowed money and built a you know five hundred thousand dollar building well we had a five hundred thousand dollar asset right so yeah versus renting another space that, right exactly you know, a build to suit or whatever yeah but 
you know, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, man, we were smart businessmen. We built this business. We're, man, we're Jerry Jones. No, the, 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 the boom built it. Yeah. We could have, we, we would have started the build, the business no matter what, and we would have been successful, but the boom built it. So it was more work than we could do calling in every day. More and more work, more and more work. We need this, we need that. More and more work. We did this, we did that. We branched out into a few smaller, like some rental rental stuff, and uh, it just it just everything that we did was successful because of the boom. Sure. And it was it was that time period before we got everybody to move out here to Midland. Yeah, yeah. You when, know, when there's a bunch of people that had vested interest in Midland. Yeah, it was people that had been here forever, sure. and, and we were doing all the work. Everybody's working as hard as they could. Sure. And there wasn't enough employees, you know, but uh, so there wasn't a lack of work for sure. So let me ask you this. You, know, you mentioned just a moment ago, you know, you got to a point where you were kind of branching out and bringing in new business lines and things like that. That's scary uh, when you're saying this is a little outside of our core competency or was it so closely tied to what you were doing anyway that it just made sense? What, what, the reason it made sense is we, we, were, we had relationships with those people already. Oh, I got you. You know, that were going to be using these products. So they knew our work ethic, and they knew, yeah, you get those, we'll, we'll rent them from you. So it just kind of went in line with that. And it opened up, we started renting pumps. And uh, the rental business is a very, very... Now, when you say pumps, like for the people that are, you know, not typically oil and gas people, a pump, what, what type of pump and what was it used for? About 99.9% of all of our work was to deal with produced water. So, you know, you drill an oil well, you're not going to get just straight oil. Knock on wood, they'd like to. But That'd be you just amazing, wouldn't wood. it? Yeah. So you get a lot of water with that, and it's salty water. It's, it's contaminated. It's hydrocarbons. And they got to get rid of that water, and they got to move it from this battery to this battery, and then finally wind up at a saltwater disposal and pump it back down a hoe at a different zone. So that was the core of our business was that. And, the uh, pumps that move that liquid. Move that liquid from battery to battery, down a flow line, pipeline, and then pumps that actually put it back down in the ground. Too. And so then the, the primary start of the business was working on those pumps that existed already, mm-hmm. and then you moved into having some rental units of your own. Yeah, you know, everything was growing, uh, you know, uh, so fast, and people were building f- facilities as fast as they could. So there were at times where... Uh, a company was putting in an SWD and we had a few rental pumps or they had a pump that exploded, you know, just burn up and it needed to be a major overhaul. We would just put these pumps out there for them to use temporary, you know, and uh, got to be, that was a very, it was very, there's probably more money in that than working on pumps. <laughs> with rent a recurring revenue stream yeah, is nice, yeah, man. Yes. Yeah. And, and we, you got the pump back and you went through it and make sure it was ready to go again. But, uh, you know, for a while we would just loan them. Just yeah, we'll let you use it, and then. That's awfully nice of you. Yeah, we were we were too nice a lot. Sure. We were too nice a lot. I yeah. bet that helps though. I mean, there's the oil field is a unique place. That stuff tends to get remembered. It, it is does. You know, hugely relationship driven, and that does tend to get remembered and ultimately rewarded in a lot of cases. Yeah, we you know we were still working with people that I'd worked with in 1990 when I first were out there you know uh old school oil field people 
you know, people that been in the oil field when when the price of oil was eight dollars a barrel, you know. And yeah. uh, hey, how about a few years ago when it was negative forty six? Yeah. yeah, I was watching that day just laughing like, oh, oh, I didn't. This is impossible. Is that even possible? Yeah. Right. I had so, friends calling me going, hey, should we buy some oil? I was like, no. Yeah. Do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to put it? Because yeah, that's well, why it's where, that's why it's where it's at. Because they don't have a place to put it. Yeah. Just stay stay in your lane, Richard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know those relationships uh, that we had back then uh, were with people we'd known forever, so it, it was easy to work with them. Sure. And and I know that there's lots of relationships nowadays, but it's a lot different. The oil field's different. Oil field changed. Uh, uh, you know, companies that had a hundred employees and now they got. 300 employees you know and they got uh you know an engineer for every toilet in the in the building and stuff like that i sometimes yeah. wonder you know, uh, there seems to be at some point and i don't know if it's still this way but at some point there seemed to be uh some sort of a metric for like the measure of success was how many people you had yeah and i always found that interesting and i, I first saw it when i was working for a year and a half or so in the tech sector and i always thought to myself uh, again, a lifelong oil field guy, born and raised here in Midland. I've been around it my whole life. Um, the mentality was always more with less kind of yes, thing. Yes. And then I start seeing this sort of change in like it almost being talked about like you're a successful company because you grew it to this many employees. I was like, well, what if half of the employees could do all of that? Yeah. And I was in seeing as our business grew. It, our business probably could have grown faster if I wasn't so old school sure. and doing it with less. Sure. Yeah. Well, and and in a way, because uh, I know being a safety professional, we all know what happens when times get lean. Unfortunately, a lot of times those types of positions are eliminated, right or wrong. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm growing a, a department or being asked if I think I need to bring on headcount, I'm always very aware of like, no. I don't want to do that unless I absolutely have to. And it's not a selfish thing. It's protecting whoever I right. might bring in. Sure. It's not a, like, I'm, I want to keep it all to myself because, good God, I'd love to have help. It's more like I don't want to bring somebody in. And then have to let them And in a year and a half, I have yeah. to let them go for, un, for reasons they can't control. Yeah. And, and so it, I get it, man. It, but it, there's no, I don't think it's wrong to grow slow. No. Uh, you know, uh, my partner and I, we were, uh, we didn't have high educational backgrounds, you know. Uh, so I'm sure we you spent most of your life in Oklahoma. Your formative years, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we we did it the best we could, and we, and with the help of the boom, we did really well. I mean, sure, we we did really well, and and we would look at hiring people and think, golly, that's a this much salary every year. Can we afford that? It was crazy to even think that because every time we hired somebody, it it just made made everything better and better and better, just hiring more and more employees. Sure. And when when you – at what point – when you first opened up the doors, you, you said, man, let's do this. That day, you're not thinking, man, I can't wait to exit this company. You're thinking, I'm going to do this forever, right? Or are you thinking, man, we could sell this one day. Let's no, grow it and sell it. No, when, when we opened the doors, my thoughts were to, to build it to where maybe we had – seven or eight employees and we can sit back and and make in in our plan out of curiosity how long after you opened did you have seven or eight employees oh a year yeah probably yeah yeah, yeah. 
or less. Right. You know, and, and I think in 06 when we bought the property and built our that first building, we probably had somewhere around 10, yeah, roughly. But yeah, you I didn't you, you never that's not what you planned for. And and who knew the price of oil, the boom, it was just going to go crazy like it. We didn't know that. Sure. You know, so we wanted to build a business uh that uh we could sit there and work at till we retired, you know. I it wouldn't bother me to be out there turning wrenches when I was 60. The guy that I learned from, uh, you know, he turned them forever. I don't know. I imagine he was in his 70s and he was still sure. out turning them. So, and I was fine with that. And that's, you know, I wanted to be able to send my girls to college. That was about it, you know. Sure. You know, and not have to worry about paying the bills. Yeah. Just being yeah. able to pay the bills. Be able to send them to college and, and it be an experience for them and, and not a hardship on right, you. Right, right, Yeah, so that's great. Uh, you did that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, success. Yeah. So you grow the business, and then when in the, the life cycle of, of, uh, of, of Basin did you decide, you know what, I think we should sell this thing? You know, we, we were. Or I think we could sell this thing. We were contacted mm. by a group, of course, a private equity group. Uh, and we're like, Really? Hmm. Okay, we'll listen to them. And then, of course... You sure uh, you got the right number? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And and my partner was really good at researching. So anytime he didn't, maybe he didn't understand something or wasn't sure, you know, you give him a couple of days, he had it figured out. You know, so he was really good at researching and seeing what was going on. I was, I was head down busy, you know, pushing our crews, pushing the, the wrenches, doing that. So when... We met with these people. Uh, we were smart enough to say no, and we did. And uh, then we, so, so the first time you're contacted, yeah, and I'm sure they put a number in front of you. Oh yeah, yeah. You looked at that. Was it? It was a. And I'm not going to ask for the number. Uh, was it a good one? I mean, it was more than what I would ever expect, but it wasn't. You know, you looked at our company and we looked at the asset and actually what we thought it was worth, and it was okay. Yeah. How hard was it to turn it down? Not very really hard. Yeah, we got more work than we can do. We're doing good. We're growing every year. It wasn't hard to turn it down. And then uh, maybe a, two years later, we had another guy come along. And he, not the same group. Not the same group. Different group. Different group, but with a different strategy. And it didn't take us long to figure out what their strategy was. Was for us to work for them. Uh, and uh, and that that meeting didn't last but a few hours, and it was over. <laughs> And then I find it interesting uh, how how many times, especially here in West Texas, it seems that that financial institutions underestimate the people out here. Oh yeah, it drastically. Was, I think you know what was weird. I wouldn't say it weird, but back up your statement is uh, we grow a lot, and uh, we and, and if you ever owned a business, you're going to have debt. And you're you're going to be partner with a bank. Mm-hmm. There's you're not going to foot the bill out of your back pocket. You know you're going to have a loan, and of course we had operating loans and stuff like that. But we outgrew actually outgrew the bank we were at, and it was a great bank, but we outgrew them. They had certain limits, and we were over those limits. And a good bank's going to recognize that and say, hey, "You're not. We're yeah. not. We can't help you." Yes, and they, you know there's federal laws to sure, what they sure. what they can do, what they can do. And uh, 
and they'll farm out maybe some of that loan. Uh, and they did that, and then they got to where they didn't want to do that. So we had to find a new stream of revenue, and you'd be surprised who'd turn you down. Hmm. You know, and then the next guy comes along like, yeah, how much more you want? You know, so it really is weird how certain financial institutes view things versus others, and they're two blocks apart on the same street, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've always found it interesting uh, when, when you go to borrow money, like for a car or a home or whatever. I told someone the other uh, a while back when the, one of the guys at the jiu-jitsu gym was buying a house for the first time, and he's like, I'm worried about getting a loan. I was like, it's easier to get a home loan than it is a car loan. Yeah, and, and you know. You'll the, be just fine. <laughs> the best thing that, that I ever learned was they work for you. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, that's true. And and they don't make money if they're not not loaning you money. Well, it behooves them to give you the loan. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. They're going to figure out a way to do that. So so you get contacted. This second one, there, you figure out, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to work for you. Uh, and so you, that's an easy no. Yeah. And so you go back to work. Yeah, we just keep going. Uh, and uh, when's the first time? So 2004. When's the first time you're contacted about potentially exiting the company? You know, I, I don't know for positive, Justin, but I would say probably around 14, 2014. So about 10 years in. Yeah, maybe 2013. I'm not. I can't. I'm not positive. Uh, don't remember. But uh, but, but the, by then you've got a you got a real business. Like it's been doing it for better part of a decade yeah yeah and uh and is growing every single year we're building more buildings every year to to house our facilities you know we 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 had a lot of work a lot of a lot of pump work there's a lot of machining work we farmed all that machine work out and we eventually just had a machinist had some cnc machines we didn't do cnc okay uh but but we had engine lays and, yep. and board mills and stuff and uh we did all of our own stuff it was just growing and, and that was uh really good for the company the guy that we had running the machine shop was just top-notch guy but uh yeah we were growing every year just in you know we we sold in 17 i think we completed or finished our last building in 16 you know wow so even up in 16 we weren't planning just we're just moving on yeah we're not planning on selling you're getting offers and and just none of them none of them hit right and uh and you just keep going yeah so you're not actively marketing the company. No, it's it's just these officers are coming in because people are recognizing you're you've built a business that's successful. Yeah, you know we were, you know when you're when you partner with someone, a partnership is very hard. And uh, there were times where I know my partner wanted to just strangle me, and and, and vice versa, sure. you know. So we'd been we'd been in partnership together for over ten years, and. It's tough, and it, the oil field changed so much. You know, the safety. You know, got. You know, when we started, you know, a hard hat, you're good to go. To, you know, what it grew into, it's just right. crazy, and uh, so it it gets to be a, a drag. It's more mental. You know, it's exhausting. Uh, so we were to the point to where we we weren't actively saying, "Hey, somebody come." make us offer but we We, were we're gonna listen but we were ready to listen sure yeah sure Uh, so it's interesting you go back to the partnership being hard and i've always found it fascinating i have friends that have had 50 50 partnerships that worked great Mm -hmm. i've had and uh dawn my wife she has a family members that had 50 50 partnership and family doesn't go to same functions anymore yeah like it's it's awful it's very Uh, stressful so how did you guys navigate that 50 50 because 
let's say an offer did come in and you're all over it and he's like no you know how do you get past that on that deal on on something like that bob and all we always saw eye to eye pretty damn close sure we you know we could talk about it and we we would always come to about the basically same conclusion and and we were good at the part of the business that bobby took care of i didn't i didn't put my nose in it very much very hardly ever and the part that i took care of bobby didn't stick his nose in it either was it a case of that that part of the business didn't interest you and him exactly and so maybe that's the answer right you know, pushing papers and and in regulation and insurances and taxes that just sure didn't interest me at all, <laughs> at all. and and i know my part of it didn't interest him. you mean in third grade when you think about mechanic you weren't thinking about no. what tax structures and stuff you right. needed in place right and and i'll give bobby a lot of credit he did a just a fabulous job because he didn't have a background in that either what's you know? bobby's last name bobby brown bobby, bobby was actually uh, his music's amazing <laughs> <laughs> maybe a different guy. Oh, okay, well, maybe. <laughs> I don't well, think he hey. ever wore any of those pants. But. <laughs> so it's weird to think he was married to Whitney Houston living out here. In yeah, I know it. Yeah. But no, shout out Bobby Brown, man. That's yeah, great. Bobby was uh, big into horses, cutting horses and stuff like that. And That's uh, a cheap hobby. Yes. And, well, and that's what, he, you know, I think that's what got him in the oil field is. I need some money. <laughs> I got some kids. I got, yeah. So he got in the oil field and started uh, contract pumping. Well, I think he actually started with working for Harbison Fisher, and Bobby was very good as far as he took care of his customers, a uh, very trustworthy person, uh, did an excellent job. So he, he built a reputation with his customer. He, he's working down hole pumps, you know, designing them, stuff like sure. that, building them, you know, everything. And uh, he eventually started contract pumping, and he actually built a business contract pumping, and he had three or four employees you know, just pumping, pumping wells, operate, lease operators. Don't call them pumpers anymore. They're lease operators. Correct. Pumpers yeah. a negative term. Yeah. We don't call them swampers anymore. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. Helpers. Yeah. But, Hel- uh, helper technicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. call somebody a pumper yeah. nowadays, you're, yeah. you're being mean. It's yeah, lease it, operator. Uh, shop hands or shop tax. Yeah. Te- technician is an outstanding word. Yes, yes. Because uh, you can do, you can be anything and be a technician. Correct. Yeah. I'm a podcast technician podcast. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, are you and Bobby still, you still talk? Yeah, not a lot. You know, they, is he still in the area? No. Uh, they, uh, they live over close to Weatherford okay. area. It's uh, not a bad country over there. No, no, no. They, they bought them a, a, a few hundred acres there and got them some cows and that's what bobby's background and his wife too you know is uh cows and stuff like that and they, they got some grandkids now and life's really good for them and uh, we talk from time to time we still own the property so oh so all of the you retain the property even after the exit yeah yeah those private equity groups they don't want to own any properties they're not so did you guys spin up like a real estate uh, business on to hold those yeah yeah oh, that's yeah, cool yeah how soon after you started owning the properties did you put them in the real estate business, or was it when you exited well, that the, you decided, okay, we need to do this so we can hold them? The way it worked is, and, and that's the way the, those private equity groups do when they buy business, you know, especially in our case, and I know in majority of the cases. So they come in here and they say they're going to buy, you know, Justin's podcast, and, and we want to lease your building for so many years mm-hmm. so that's part of the buyout when they buy your businesses that's in the contract it was already there they're going to lease the property from us so the good thing about it is you you, you own a piece of real yeah, estate you lease revenue off of it yeah you got revenue off of it it's not much because we still owe a debt on it but uh 
you know enough you, to service the debt i bet yes so five years it serviced the debt the five years came and gone they resigned for another five years so at the end of that term we, we won't have any debt on it so it's pretty but good you'll still have the property to have property yeah yeah oh, that's not a bad deal at all no it's not no no so so we still talk bobby and i still talk from time to time because there's something to do with the property going on sure property taxes insurance stuff like that that's great it, it, it's interesting to to listen to the the way partnerships work because there are especially in a 50 50 partnership there are horror stories oh yeah uh with those uh and and it it's it's always fascinated me the ones that work and it doesn't mean that it's flawless that you guys no. never argued it just means that you were you understood the greater goal you did right you couldn't run it because of an ego or or disagreement you know and, and we did disagree from time to time and I, I wouldn't say we disagreed too much but you know we'd been doing it for 13 years uh it you know it's a stress it's a stressful situation that's a long time and so uh but we knew we couldn't let that mess up the whole whole thing there too many people depending on it yeah you couldn't destroy it yeah, yeah. there's too much there's right. too much riding on it for sure yeah. and going back to what you said originally we can't fail right this has to work right uh so when you get the offer the the, the final one that you guys did take and it comes in and you guys go oh, wait a minute this seems interesting kind of walk me through that process of, of how that came in it, did it come in the same way the others did just well it was actually the same people that made the offer the first time Oh, they came back around. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure the the time period. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three years, something like that, uh, from the first time we talked to them to to this time. And the way, and we didn't know at the time, uh, but the way those private equity groups work, they're kind of like a pyramid scheme almost. Is is this private equity company buys these five, and then there's another private equity company that buys this five, that five, that five, that five. Mm-hmm. And then there's another private equity company that buys that guy and that guy. You know, so it's right. So they're trying to put pieces together to yeah, make a package. They're, they're putting portfolios together that to they're sell. going to sell. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when they came back to us, pretty good gig if you have some cash. You know, it's amazing how people make money, and and it's amazing how you know <laughs> business models are different. Sure. And their business model is way different than ours, and. I don't really understand their business model, but they find a way to make money doing it. But, but anyway, they, they, they approached us, uh, and we had our business consultant, our business coach, and we let him, that was a good thing about having, and I'll tell anybody that's going to sell your business. If you've got somebody that can be the in-between guy, that's a great deal. Sure. Uh, they, they get a stake in it when you sell, but, uh, it was good not to have to deal with them and talk to them. Everybody has horror stories about when they were bought out by private equity. Ours was perfect, great. They have no problem with it. Well, having that intermediary takes the emotion out of the yeah. conversation. Yeah, you, you get to unload on that guy and then come down to what the answer is, and then he takes that back. And we were lucky enough, Justin, that if we didn't sell it, it's all right. We just keep going. We just keep going. So we had a dollar figure, and we gave it to them, and they said yes. They didn't offer to offer us anything we told them here's what we want and uh, they said okay and they contacted us that second time i would i want to say in september i think we close in december oh wow that is pretty quick it is real quick and like i said we didn't know but they needed that one little final piece to put into here it because they uh and they needed it done by the end of the year so they were eager to get hurry up and get it done i bet you asked for more money 
exactly we should have <laughs> yeah hindsight 2020 yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so the due diligence all that stuff yeah it, it went quick yeah yeah it's funny how much that stuff matters until it doesn't mm-hmm. yeah that stuff's pretty interesting yeah. to me so then you said all right now uh, and I got to be honest with you, I'm real disappointed that you haven't bought a lake house down in Lake Conroe yet. <laughs> and I know some people that'll curate that house for you <laughs> and just leave a boat there. It's all that, and Dawn would just live there. Yeah. There's no way you'd get her out of that yeah. house. But uh, it's it's fascinating. You're geared a lot like I am and a lot like uh, my friends are where just because just you sold the business and you're good doesn't mean you stop. Yeah. And so now you take this. Uh, land out in Garden City, Texas, that has been in, I guess, Carrie's family, right? Yep. Forever. Um, since, I want to say, I've got all the books and records on it, but I think, I, I want to say it was since the 20s. And that's the 1920s. Yes. Not, yeah. not the 2020s that we're correct, in now. Correct. When my kids refer to the 1900s, uh, it pisses me <laughs> off every time they say it because I, I'm just like, well, that's right, but it. Yeah. But, but fuck you how yeah. about that you know like, it makes me so mad uh but it's correct well it's crazy uh, you're watching guys play football on tv that was born in 2006 it's nuts well yeah. hey thanks for bringing that up <laughs> uh, but anyhow that land i mean I w- if you told me that that land was usable in any way other than going and shooting animals and yeah. you know going down in the in the pit and shooting guns and just being out there doing just just guys being dudes out on land, I would have been like, ah, whatever. But you make this thriving friggin' hay business somehow. Yeah. You know, I, just an, I, I, I used to be really outdoorsy. You knew that. I loved to hunt and yeah. fish and stuff. And uh, what I happened wanted, to you? You got just, soft? Yeah, I got soft. Played too much golf, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it happens you know? to you. <laughs> Watch too much golf yeah. on TV. But I just wanted a place, and this was before we sold the business. Uh, I just wanted a place of my own. I wanted some dirt that I own. That's mm-hmm. ours. That's our dirt, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carrie's uncle owned, uh, uh, I don't know how many acres it is. How many acres total is that property? It's it's almost 200. Okay. And it's like 190 acres. So her dad owned 60 of it, and her uncle owned the rest of it. So I bought uh, her uncle's share, which would be about 100 and. 30 acres, I guess, something, something like that. And then... Uh, Are those figures accurate? They're close. Even if yeah. even if you look in the, the, the courthouse records, there's a lot of deviation everywhere. Right. Everybody it's, wrote it down wrong. But, it doesn't matter. Hand-drawn lines and crayon, they work. Yeah, but I just want a place to go. Sure. Go quail hunting, you know. You know we got to go there anyway, right? Yeah, like, I we, know. No one ever stopped. I had the gate code. Something about having your own dirt, you I know. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And... Uh, then uh, there was some land joining it that uh, was owned by a guy that uh, that land was part of the family at one time, but now it wasn't. It had been split up some. And uh, I knew his name, but I didn't know how to get a hold of him. I looked at the courthouse records. It didn't give an address or nothing. So I started looking at him up on Facebook. Yeah, Garden, Garden City's not that big. Yeah, I know. You just go door to door, you'd yeah. find him. Yeah. Well, he lived in Bastrop. Oh, bastard. Yeah. So I found him on Facebook and I sent him a message. Hey, this is me. And I'd like to offer it by the rest. So we bought a hundred acres that joined it. So that original property that her family's owned since the early 1900s, uh, which was 300, let's see, 
about 390 acres, 380 acres. We got right at 300 of it back together. Oh, There's still awesome. about 80 acres. That's still oh. owned by some of the family oh. members. So, so the, the property you purchased from the guy in Bassrop had originally been owned yeah. by uh, – was it the Hilgers? It was actually the Overstreets. I mean, not the Overstreets, Overtons. I was like, damn, dude. So this would be. This That's would my be, land, man. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, this was, uh, this was Carrie's dad's mother's family. Okay. So you're thinking about the land down there by the Cleachy Pit? Yeah, yeah. This is over about 10 miles from there. This is Robert's mother's family's land. Oh, this is the good land. Well, come find out it had a lot of water on it. Well, that's it good. It still does. That's real good. So just wanted a place to hunt and fish and yeah and i've been i'd had a tractor and i did a little play farming i guess you could say just playing around and eventually threw a pump in that well and yeah it still made a lot of water so we put a couple pivots pivots up we opened a little feed store in greenwood and place to sell our hay so we grow hay and they have feed and hay yeah we have feed all types of hay, all types of feed. We have tack and all that we stuff. Have, we don't have much tack, but we've got few supplies, yeah. gates, hay feeders, you know, some ranching supplies, not real big. And that little that little store is called Tractor Supply. Kind of. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you name that place? Well, it's got just LL Farms is the name of it. That's what is over the farm and over the feed store. That's After LL Cool J. Yep, basically. Nice, yeah. man. Yep. Well, you can't fault you. You know, back. you know, we had some very good legal uh, CPAs, mm. and so there are certain ways to do things, and you open up several companies, and you got to have several companies that do this, 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 and you got a general partner and all this stuff. And like I said, I don't know a whole lot about it, and I didn't really wasn't interested in it. But that was one company we had to start, and it's all about avoiding taxes, but it's it's about avoiding taxes legally. Right. Okay, the government right. wrote it, so. They wrote the tax code. We're just following it. Correct. So uh, if they don't like that. They change the code. Yeah. So we you got to come up with some names of some companies, and that was one of them. And then we bought the farm, and well, that's that's the one that we just chose. It's an LP. We chose to be over the feed store and the farm. Man, that's awesome. I, it, it's just uh, so. So now what? Now what's in store for for Jeff? Does Jeff just keep? Uh, keep on farming is that is that the goal or at what point does jeff say you know what i'm good well you know my grandkids i've got one that's two and one that's one years old and one that's you on know the way. you know they moved over by where we live yeah it does make sense for a lake house yeah i know it. <laughs> it's a big lake i yeah. mean you, they properties for sale right now yep yeah. and we have looked around there and i would mow the yard for Ooh, you man man it's expensive <laughs> Buy a house for me yeah. on Lake Conroe, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I enjoy the farming. Just loved it. Uh, still do. Those tractors are comfortable nowadays. Yeah, it's yeah. It, you know, when when I'm bailing, I'm sitting here looking at the balers and uh, air conditioning. It's driving itself. We got stereo. You know, yeah, air conditioning. There's no, nothing really, and that's what really you know. I think about Carrie's grandfather. He never had a tractor with a cab on it. No. Raised a no, family man. on, you know, on basically, you know, that was a half a section they were on. So that, I think, 150 acres of, of cultivated land. What raised he, a family. What, what did he farm on there? Uh, a little bit of everything. They had cotton and uh, they would have milo and, and feed and stuff like that. And he would just take it to the local co op and sell it or what? Yeah. And of course, he had, you know, he always had maybe some sheep and uh, some cows and stuff. So. 
it's just it, people lived different back then. You know, they, they survived. Yes, they, it's a different they did. thing. They it, it was a, it, it's it's interesting to think about, and it's not that long ago, really. When you when you really drive down the the rabbit hole and think about when that was, that people like they just survived. Yes, like, and. You just hey, we made it through another winter or something. We you don't know, realize how good we, oh, how easy we have it. Well, I mean, I do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I got on an airplane today and flew here, and now I come over to your house and yeah. hang out and talk on microphones and and uh, it, it it's a it's a pretty good life. Man. You know, my grandparents and I know Carrie's did too. But you had a you had a huge garden, but and you put stuff up in the summertime for the wintertime, right? Because when they were young. You know, what are you going to eat? You didn't go down here to Seven Eleven and grab a big gulp and a hot dog, you know. Right, just, and get mad when you go in there and it's like, my favorite kind of thing's not there. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. so you're exactly right. It's a matter of survival. But uh, Well, so so what's next is you just keep farming forever. You're going to find you out on the tractor. You know, I'm getting, I've got a, a, a young man that's helping me a lot and wants to, do it and take care of it and do it himself and that's kind of what we're working because i'm i'm 50 almost 52 and i don't want to be out there on a tractor when i'm 65 i don't want to do that i still and you don't have to be no and uh, so he's kind of that's he's wanting to do it so we're gonna see how that goes and one of these days i'd like to do a little bit more traveling my see my grandkids more you know stuff like that Spend a little more time with it. You know, when, when they get up there where they're a T-ball size, I just got to be there. And farming doesn't allow that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, because that, that has to be tended to regardless of what's going on right. outside right. Uh, of all of that. But, but no, yeah, you definitely want to be there for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and I'm excited because that means you'll be in my neck of the woods a yep. bit more. And, uh, you know, well, Justin, we're actually hoping they move a little closer this way, so you may have to come <laughs> Well, we're hoping they will, but we don't think that'll ever happen. It's a that's interesting, you know, thinking about like your kids and and mine are getting to that age where they're gonna you know go off on their own, and, and that's something that is uh, when I sit and dwell on it, it is uh, it, it's weird. Yes, but it, it but is. It, does it ever get not weird? Yes, it does. You know, when the girls first went off to college, you're two hours away, two hours and fifteen minutes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cried. <laughs> I mean, we of course did. you did. We did, and, and uh, it, it was just horrible. And then, after a few months, when they would come home and stay too long, we cried. <laughs> so, so you do. It does change. Like, hey, listen, I'm paying for a place for you to stay <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. What's happening right now? And it's still kind of that way, you know. We like we uh, the girls came up for uh, about a week here a while back, and that week's about perfect. Yeah, ten days is too much, but yeah, but no, it does change. You, you know, you you it kills you for a while, but it it uh, you, you learn to appreciate the the effects of it. Yeah, know? whenever we go visit my parents, which is not as often as they would like, obviously, because uh, they live up near Tulsa, and that's yeah. a bit of a hike from yeah. Houston. Uh, my mom will call me absolutely within a day of leaving. She's like, it just sure is quiet around here, <laughs> yeah. and then she doesn't say that after that for a while. Yeah, uh, you know, so I, I get it. Uh, but man, I, I really appreciate getting to hear your story. Like I said, you know, I've known you most of my life at yeah. this point. Uh, and, and I knew, you know, sort of on a cursory level, what the story was, you know, you built this business and you sold it and, and all of that, but I didn't know the story. And it's just a, 
it's awesome to hear and, and it, it really I know is going to be impactful for whoever listens to this for sure to be tens and tens of people will yeah, hear this yeah and at uh, least and, but thank you so much for opening up your home to me tonight and uh, letting me completely rearrange your living room and uh, and making Carrie dig out every light bulb yeah uh, in the in the house I'm not going to touch any of them <laughs> and that's an inside joke and that's for Carrie's benefit only yeah but uh, I've heard that story you know, everyone's heard that story that story gets told every year for some reason and it's uh, it's an awful at story. Christmas or Thanksgiving it gets told yeah. it's an awful or on Facebook yeah. uh, it's an awful story and uh, they got what they deserved yeah. I'll just put it that they way did. Uh, so anyway. Thank you so much for being a part of this, and and uh, and, and man, I I just I love you, love and you, and it's awesome to have you on the show. Yep. All right. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. All right. That's it. <laughs>